Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. When the roll is called up yonder, the Lamb's Book of Life. What a great way to begin this work week. I wish all of you well. I hope you're having an amazing day already. Joy and Brenda, Deanna, Jonathan, thank you for being a part of this this great MD 2021 family, the devotees. Yeah, we get together, encourage one another, pray for one another's needs, and just iron sharpening iron, motivating one another to be everything that we can be for God. And on this Monday morning, let's just believe that God's got some great things for us. Brad, it's good to see you. Yolanda, so good to see you. Cindy, thank you for being a part of this. When the roll is called up yonder, the Lamb's Book of Life, Monday, June 7, like, share, follow the page, get the word out. So happy you're here. This week, starting tonight, camp meeting in Lufkin's 75th anniversary. Kudos to everybody involved in that. Looking forward as well to this weekend. Evangelist Josh Herring will be with us in both services. Remarkable thousand soul crusade last month in Wisconsin. And then Friday night, 77, received the baptism of the Spirit in Florida. Looking forward, Josh Herring, both services in parallel. Get the word out. People can receive the baptism of the Spirit no matter where they are in the world. This is a, the thought that I, I woke up with this morning. And I, I, I wish this was some, oh, I don't know, grand scheme that I could plan things out five years in advance and plan what I'm going to do on morning devotions. But I rarely know when I go to sleep the night before what I'm going to talk about the next morning. Yes, I know that would scare some of you absolutely half to death, but I sort of feel like Spurgeon, just give me the Bible and I can preach forever. And um, I, because the Bible is just limitless. But I woke up this morning pondering a verse of scripture in Revelation. Names not written in the Lamb's book of life will worship the Antichrist. That's my paraphrase of it. That's a verse that just stood out to me. It's that's what I woke up thinking. Any name not written in the Lamb's Book of Life that's alive when the Antichrist comes will worship the Antichrist. That's Revelation 13, 8. In Revelation 13, wow, the seven seals of judgment are over, seven trumpets of judgment over, stand on the precipice of seven bowls of judgment. And John introduces seven characters there. He introduces the woman who we know to be Israel, the red dragon, which we know to be Satan, the child of the woman, the Lord Jesus Christ. Michael, the archangel, is seen there warring with the dragon over the child. A beast from the sea rises up, Antichrist, a beast from the earth, false prophet. Now, this this is it's just after John introduces the Antichrist. He makes this statement. He makes that incredible statement that I woke up with this morning. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life slain from the foundation of the world. I I, I know that's heavy. Wow, that's a heavy way to start off a week. But who knows what this week holds? 
This could be a week of eternity, somebody finding God this week. And maybe we just need to be reminded at the outset of this work week that we're going to come in contact with a lot of people. Georgia, Victor, Tricia, Jeanette, we're going to come in contact with a lot of people this week whose names can be written in the Lamb's book of life. Let it be, let it be. Amen. When the roll is called up yonder. The emphasis to me seems to be that when you and I see the last days come, and don't we see them here right now, and you and I see potential of Antichrist rising, then we need to make certain, we need to make certain our name is in that book. Do you remember that old song we sang, saying it was written, I don't know, late 1800s, around 1890 or something like that. I, I, I love that song, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. Anybody remember this song? And the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I think that's an assurance that we long for. Everybody in your family, everyone in your sphere of influence, I'll be there. My name, if my name is written in the book, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, the Lamb's book of life. Would you share this with someone? We want to see more names written in that book. Now, I'm going to focus on the book of life. It's mentioned eight times in the New Testament, seven of the eight times in the book of Revelation. Again, it it just seems that should be our focus today. The names written in the book of life. But there are other books mentioned in Revelation, Revelation 20 and 12, at that great white throne judgment, I, I think is probably one of the most dreadful, terrible passages of scripture in the Bible. When John the Revelator said, I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So books are mentioned, books plural. And then another book, singular, a lot of hypotheses what these books may be. But it does relate to what Daniel said in chapter 7 through a prophetic lens that he saw a judgment set and the books were open. So at least three books, we've got books and another book, at least three books, someone hypothesized and I think helpfully called these books, these three books, man's book in God's hand, God's book in man's hand, and then God's book in God's hand. So three books, man's book in God's hand, God's book in man's hand, God's book in God's hand. Can I just look at the three with you real quick? I'll mention the first couple of them. Then I want to settle on the third, which I believe to be the book of life. I want to be a part of that. I want to be in that book. The first man's book in God's hand. It's been hypothesized as a story of your life, your biography, your acts and deeds, because it says we'll be judged according to the works. And so that somehow your biography is in the hands of God. Even though it's impossible for a man to live a holy life without God, God is just. He will give every man his day in court. 
The Bible says clearly there's none righteous, no, not one, but each person who stands before God will have the book of his life examined by God to see if perchance there is one righteous person each and every day of our lives. Some scribe in heaven, I guess, records our words, our tears are recorded, our wanderings, the sojourn of our life are recorded. The number of hairs on head are recorded, our words, our deeds, our actions, the omission, the commission, the great white throne judgment. Each person standing there will be judged by man's book in God's hands. The book of your life, your biography. Is that sobering? But there's a plurality of books. And the second book has been hypothesized. It's the word of God. It's God's book in man's hand that you and I have the word of God and we can hold it, that we can study the scriptures in the scriptures. I I got my Bible sitting here. I do every morning just in case I want to look up a verse of scripture when we're talking. Paul said God will judge the secrets of men, Romans 2, according to the gospel. Jesus says the words that I've spoken, the same shall judge him in that day, that last day, John 12, 48. Those who live under the before the law will be judged by the writings of the patriarchs before the law. Those who live under the law will be judged by the writings of the patriarch and the law. Those who live now in this age of grace were judged by the totality of the book of scripture, but also by the royal law of love, the law in Christ. We study it, we memorize the word of God, we meditate on the word of God, we hide his word in our hearts, let the mind of Christ dwell in you richly. It's God's book. This is God's book in man's hand. Not going to have a test, not going to have a pot test, that I haven't been given the answers. And while there may be other books, I'm, I'm fascinated by the one that singled out in a class of its own, the Lamb's book of life. That's God's book in God's hands. You see, throughout the Old Testament, we we start reading of remembrancers. That's what they're called. In the book of remembrance written before God, in whose names are those that fear God and think upon his name. Jesus tells each of us that we should rejoice that our name is written in heaven. Is that too simplistic? That each time a person is born of water and spirit, that their name is written in the Lamb's book of life? I don't think that's simplistic. I think that's absolutely beautiful. It's the role, the role, the list of names that's going to be called up yonder. We love quoting that theme verse of Philippians where Paul said in Philippians 4, 4, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I love that. I just love that passage of scripture. In fact, verse 4, 5, and 6 just sort of seem, I, I don't know, they seem appropriate for our day right now. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Say it again, rejoice. Verse 5, let your gentleness Be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the promise in verse seven, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful passage of scripture? But have you ever looked at the verse before all that? The verse before rejoicing and the peace of God? 
Verse 3 is the only instance outside of Revelation in the New Testament that the book of life is actually mentioned. And the thought of that book and having one's name there precedes Paul's great message of rejoicing, hope, and comfort for the last days. To know your name is written there, you rejoice. To know your name is written there, you have peace. I think that's where we are today. Angela, Melissa, Bridget, I think that's where we are today. We need that knowledge and that assurance. We're reading of vaccine passports and the so-called safe travels passport where people can be safe or declared safe to travel here and there. And I guess while travel on this earth is important, travel to another world is far more important. Have we made our calling and election sure? Have we worked out our own salvation with fear and trembling? As Paul, as Peter commanded on, uh, uh, as Peter commanded the church, uh, on the very day it was born, save ourselves from this untoward generation. Make certain that your name is in that book, the Lamb's Book of Life. One of the most difficult, I think, controversial things about this Lamb's Book of Life, about this passage, is the expression blotted out or erased. The first mention of the book in Revelation 3, 5, you know, you know, in Revelation chapter two and three, we've got the postman of Patmos, John the Revelator, who's sending messages to the seven churches of Asia as the risen, glorified, exalted Christ instructs him. And it's at, still in that context in Revelation three, he writes to the dead church in Sardis. And after diagnosing their spiritual condition, he gives them a message of hope, you know, the promise to the overcomer, to anybody that overcomes the deadness of dead church. He said, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And here we go. And I will not blot out his name of the book of life. I will not blot out his name. This is controversial because there is a strain of the Christian faith that says once saved, always saved. And it's possible for the Lord, impossible for the Lord to blot out names. Uh, we, we prefer to rejoice in the God who can blot out transgressions. Yes, that's what we, we love that. Amen. As God spoke through Isaiah, I, even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Oh, I love that passage of scripture in Hebrews 8. I will forgive their iniquities. I will remember their sins no more. We love the God who can blot out sins. Amen. But this idea that he can blot out names from Lamb's book of life, ooh, that gives us a, the willies. I don't know if that is a medical term, but it really bothers us. Exodus 17, God tells Moses, I want you to write a book of a memorial. Give it to Joshua that I'm going to blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heaven. It's repeated in Deuteronomy 25, Psalm 9, Psalm 109. We read that the enemy will have their name blotted out forever. This is the God that can blot out transgressions and the God that can blot out names. But it's that great high priestly prayer of Moses in Exodus 32 that just, whew, it gives me pause. The people of God have greatly sinned. They worshiped around the golden calf while God was speaking to Moses. And God tells Moses, 
in effect, I'm done. I'm done with them. I'm not going to take them to the promised land. I'm going to let them die here in the desert. I'll wipe them off the face of the earth, and we'll just start over again with you, Moses. But Moses intercedes. Oh, oh, can I just stop right there and say we need intercessors in our day? We need people like Moses who stand in the gap for the souls of men and women. Teresa Winnie Hope standing in the place where we just lift up people's names. God, don't forget their name. Don't blot out their name, Lord. Moses interceded with God. It's in verse 32 of chapter 32. Moses asked God to forgive their sins. And then we see the longest dash in the Bible. It's a huge dash. Forgive their sin, long dash. But if not, God blot my name out of your book. God responds in verse 33. Moses, only those who've sinned against me will I blot from my book. I rejoice in the God that blots out transgressions. But we see here the God who blots out names. Can I go back before the law and give you another instance of this? When three visitors come to visit Abraham, two were angels, one a theophany, appearance of the Lord in the Old Testament. And God tells Abraham, I'm about to destroy Sodom. And Abraham understands his nephew Lot is there. And God, his friend, is giving him a heads up of what's planned. Abraham begins to intercede for the righteous. Surely Lot, he's thinking, has remained true. Surely Lot has saved his family. Surely Lot has influenced more, maybe one of few souls in Sodom. And it's in that context that Abraham begins to pray that high priestly prayer. The Bible says he was standing before the Lord. Standing, that's the position of intercession. And he asked God a question. Will you sweep away the righteous? With the wicked shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Now, folks, hey, morning devotion group, I'm just going to confess my ignorance here. I confess that the Lord's thoughts are above mine. His ways are above mine. I don't pretend to understand how God has the power to discern and judge. Abraham asked, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Yes, he will. He always will. And this is where it hits home. God's more merciful to those who know less. Yes, I know the ignorance of the law is no excuse. I know it takes saving faith and new birth to enter into heaven. But God is more merciful to those who don't know things. Simon Peter said in 2 Peter 2, he said something in verse 20, I believe. It's if after they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, In other words, they escaped, they were saved. If they are entangled therein, if they are again entangled therein with the pollutions of the world and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning, for it had been better. It had been better for them to never know the way of righteousness than after they've known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them, to put it plainly. I want to put it plainly here on Monday morning, a pencil has a lead point to write with, and it has an eraser to erase with. And God knows how to use both. He can write names in the Lamb's book of life 
and he can blot them out. He can erase them. He removed them. You say, oh, that's dreadful. Yes, it is. But I think it's needful, especially in the day that we're living here. You see, I see some gold here, some gold. And I've gone through all of this just to tell you two or three things. First of all, here's some gold. God knows our name. He knows us. He knows you and me. And when he says, I write your name in my Lamb's book of life, he knows us. One of the most beautiful stories of the New Testament is when Jesus passes through Jericho and he looks up in that sycamore tree and he says, Zacchaeus, I can't hardly move any further in that story when I read that. Because he looked up in that tree. He didn't ask anybody what that man's name was. He called him my name. He knows our name. And by saying that, I'm saying that he knows you and he knows me and he knows our struggle. He knows what we're going through. He knows everything that we fight. He knows our struggles, our open sins, hidden sins, our strong points, our weak points. He knows us and he loves us. He loves us. He knows us and he loves us. That's gold to me. Second of all, I could say that God wants to write our names in his book. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants my name in this book. He wants your name, Trenton and Ginger and Francisca and Karen and Dee. He wants your name in his book. He invites you. That invitation goes out to one and all. The third gold, a bit of gold that I find is he remembers. He will not forget our labors of love. He will not overlook what we've done for him and his cause. He will not overlook our sacrifice. He's not unrighteous. Your labor is not in vain. He remembers what you're going through. I love the story of Nebuchadnezzar. When he fell, he fell from grace. In seven years, he fought insanity. But the Lord watched over him. He kept him. I love the story of the man in Tampa that I read about recently. John Helsinki was homeless for years. He had no idea. He didn't know his social security number, didn't have a birth certificate, didn't even know his name at times. Fewer things can be more frightening than that. Not knowing who you are, not knowing your true identity. But John one day stumbled into a homeless shelter and they helped him track down all of this. He found his name. He got some ID. He discovered he had a social security number. He also was given a copy of his birth certificate. Yeah. And that led to a discovery. It led to a discovery that there was a bank account. And for all of these years, every month, a social security check had been deposited and was collecting interest. And this man who didn't know his identity, didn't know his name, didn't have a birth certificate, found out he had a home, a place to live. And he turned his life around. I think about salvation. We're given an ID. We are now the sons of God. Oh, praise God. We are given his spirit, the earnest of our inheritance. And we're given the down payment, the deposit on glory that is to come. We're given a new birth certificate and our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And the future is so bright. Let me, let me. Let me close how I opened here because this is where it gets really real. Names not written in the Lamb's book of life will worship the Antichrist. That's what Revelation 13 says. I, 
I read one writer wrote recently, he said, my friends, I say to you, without the least fear of exaggeration, that many will never realize they are lost until those books are open. Many will learn at that time that the most important thing in life, it wasn't their friends, it wasn't their money, it wasn't their property, that the most important thing in life was the soul. And if we didn't learn it in this world, we're going to learn it one day when the books are open. Jesus said, because what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Make your calling and election sure. Get this word out to others. I believe this is a day of salvation. Could I end with another song that we once sang? It went like this, when he calls me, I will answer. You remember that? When he calls me, I will answer. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. When the roll is called up yonder, I want to hear your name. Don, Donetta, Tiffany, I want to hear your name called. I want everyone who joins us and graces this MD family those who have even gone on to their reward since starting these morning devotions. I want to hear each and every one of your names call. The people that I'm friends with, the people I pray for. Fooey, even my enemies, I want to hear their name call. The people I pastor, the people I've grown close to, I want to hear their names called. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. And I'm going to be listening for yours too. God bless you. Thank you. Let's go see some souls saved. Let's see some people. Let's deprive the Antichrist of worship by getting more names in that Lamb's book of life. Leave your prayer requests. Leave your thoughts. Share one with another. I look forward to being with you this week. Let's believe God for some great things. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.